Last week on Let's Talk Supply Chain, I spoke with Mercado Labs. That's right. Rob Garrison was back on the show, and we did a collaborative episode about Mercado Labs and what we are doing at Ships and why collaboration and partnership is so strong and so important in 2021. If you want to learn more about Ships, more about Mercado Labs, and how to collaborate and create long-lasting partnerships, go and check out last week's episode. Let's Talk Supply Chain is not your average supply chain podcast. We feature not just the top of the industry, but also diverse voices from within the community. New innovations and the disruptors making waves in the industry. Don't listen to the same old, same old. Be sparked by new ideas and fresh perspectives only on Let's Talk Supply Chain. A spare part so the plane you're on to go see family for the holidays can leave safely and on time. A gift to cheer up a loved one during a challenging time. Or what about those shoes you are finally going to treat yourself to? All likely manufactured overseas. International shipping touches everyone's lives differently, but it absolutely touches all of us. But many of us know that that system, that vital system that helps the world turn is broken. So many mid-market importers, exporters, and forwarders are struggling, bogged down in paperwork. All too often, I've heard the frustrations that they no longer have the appropriate means to do their job right in 2020. That in this day and age, it just should not be this hard. And I agree, it absolutely shouldn't. Meet Ships, the innovative new marketplace where you can find your perfect partner, get quick and accurate costs, real-time benchmarking figures, and a secure online account, all with just one click. Sign up for your free trial now over at Ships, S-H-I-P-Z or Z.com. Hello and welcome back to Let's Talk Supply Chain. So many exciting things happening right now. We are hosting a variety of different panel discussions, live stream events based on fulfillment and pallets and visibility and capacity and leadership and so much is going on. I hope that you have been enjoying the content that we have been providing and putting out there and I hope that you've been able to join us as well. So today I'm excited to be joined by a company who is the number one international shipping carrier for e-commerce. With customer experience at its core, this business is putting the care back into carrier. So who's joining me today? Well, it's Passport Shipping. They believe that a great international experience demands a considered approach to strategy, software, and customer experience, as well as great logistics. So with their end-to-end solution, you can tailor experiences for your customers worldwide. I'm joined by Alex, the co-founder and CEO at Passport Shipping to chat about the company's unique offering and all about international shipping, the benefits, the challenges, and what we can expect in the coming year. Let's get to know him a little bit more before we dive in. Alex is the co-founder and CEO of Passport Shipping, a modern-day international shipping company that ships for top direct-to-consumer brands such as Native, which is P&G, Thinks, and Bombas. Formerly, he was the co-founder and COO of Lynx, a, a 
Y Combinator backed international personal shopping service that is now the largest importer of e-commerce parcels into the Middle East. Before beginning his entrepreneurial journey, Alex worked at Facebook and Morgan Stanley. So welcome to the show, Alex. Thank you. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you for having me. I am so excited to talk to you today because international shipping is a topic I've found to be coming up more and more. I mean, especially as more and more people are buying products online. Um, and so I'm really intrigued to get your take on it and really talk about what you guys are doing at Passport Shipping. So before we do that, why don't you start by telling us a little bit about yourself? Tell us who you are, what you do, and what is the one thing that would surprise people about international shipping? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and thank you again for having me, Sarah. So my name is Alex Yanscher. I'm the CEO of Passport Shipping. Uh, we are a modern international shipping carrier built for e-commerce and direct-to-consumer brands. Um, a little bit about me. So I was born in Russia, and I came to the United States uh, when I was just a kid in 1989, actually. And I remember even as a kid helping my family ship products back home to Russia and uh, just realizing how really incredibly complicated it was back then and how it really yeah. hasn't improved you know, for 20, 20, 30 years now. Um, so uh, I, I grew up uh, shipping internationally, but that's not really where uh, I took my career in life. Um, I went to Cal, then I uh, was an investment banker for a few years, uh, and then worked at Facebook back in 2010, uh, which was you know, the center of the tech, ep the tech epicenter at the time. Um, but I really wanted to be an entrepreneur and uh, as luck would have it, one of the guys who I used to take the uh, Facebook bus from uh, our, you know, my my home in San Francisco to the campus in Palo Alto was uh, an immigrant as well. He was from Egypt, and he and I would reminisce about some of our uh, youth sending stuff back to our our home countries, and we talked about how interesting it would be to um, to have a company that basically made it easy to do international shipping for right. you know. Um, uh, people who lived uh, back home and wanted to ship things back to their countries. So anyways, I would say that was my first foray um, into uh, just even ideating about the problem of international shipping. I love that. And I'm so glad that you shared that story with us. And I know you do have one thing that would surprise people about international shipping. So what is that? Oh, right, right, right. The The thing that would surprise people about international shipping. So International shipping, people think about remote places around the world, but the reality is if you're, say, um, shipping something from the United States, shipping something to San Francisco from New York is about the same distance as shipping something from uh, New York to London. Wow. Mm -hmm. I didn't actually know that. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Crazy. Yeah. I love that. And I love asking this question because I think, you know, we all have so many different insights into so many different things. And sometimes the stats like these are what really brings us together and, and really brings value to the audience. So let's, you know, let's start at the beginning. I mean, you really gave us an idea of what that looks like from the beginning, be beginning, but how and why did the company come about and tell us about the name? Are you guys literally our passports to successful international shipping? <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe that should be our tagline. Um, yeah, definitely. Um, so, so before starting passport, 
Um, I was the co-founder and COO of an international personal personal shopping service called Links, which helped people from around the world buy products from the U.S. Um, uh, from U.S. e-commerce sites and have them shipped to their doors. That's the company I founded with the guy I mentioned who I met at Facebook. Um, the guy has a name. His name is Mustafa. He's he's very smart uh, and a very good uh, and was a very good partner for uh, for me when we were starting uh, this company called Links. And um, it worked like this. So people basically would find something that they love online, let's say on Etsy or Amazon or a direct-to-consumer site like, say, Bombas. They would take a link and they would add it to this universal shopping cart that we built. They would buy it from us. And then we would take our own credit cards and our own payment methods, go on the site and buy it from the merchant and have it shipped to our warehouse in Delaware. And the reason Delaware is because Delaware is a tax-free state. So we wouldn't have to pay sales tax for all these orders that would go internationally, right? So right. we would get all these packages, we would consolidate them, and then we would ship them. My role was to build a network of carriers that could help us achieve this. And it was incredibly challenging and complex, but not just because of the number of parties involved, but other considerations like paying accurate duties and taxes, being in compliance with local regulations, uh, you learn you can't ship cosmetics to every country in the world, right? Um, yeah. And managing international related support inquiries. You know, people around the world who we'd be shipping these products to, they would have questions. When's my product going to get there? What does this milestone mean? All of that kind of stuff. And it made me realize at the time that international shipping is a whole lot more than just the logistics. Right. It, it, it's actually a systems problem that involves logistics, but also duty and tax calculation, regulatory compliance, international returns, and, and so much more. So around this time, my co-founder Mustafa and I, we made the strategic decision to focus Lynx's business on the Middle East. And that was perfect for me to move on and found uh, Passport. Awesome. That's mm -hmm. a great story. And I, I love how you took all of the learnings that you were able to, um, to really dive into at Lynx and turn it into something like passport shipping that is really just filling those gaps of the challenges that you are hearing from your customers. So you, you touched on a little bit about what you do, but can you talk us through exactly what passport shipping does? How does it work? How do you help? That kind of thing. Yeah. So in a nutshell, we take on all painful aspects of managing cross-border <laughs> shipping for merchants. Oh, that, painful. I love that. <laughs> yeah. Also, another uh, tagline idea right there. Exactly. Um, <laughs> so we, we handle the customer support for a merchant. We handle the financial compliance for a merchant. And we handle the regulatory uh, compliance matters for merchants as well. Wow. You must, they must love you. <laughs> <laughs> we do we do we do our best yeah you're taking all of their pain points on um in really a fashion so that they can do what they do best right and a lot of times when we take a look at logistics is that companies especially retailers are trying to juggle it all and and really understand it all and it's just not possible and so it's through partnerships and it's through collaborations with companies like yours at Passport Shipping that are really just going to allow everybody to do what they do best and come together in that full customer experience. And that's one thing that I want to 
touch on because you call yourself a team of customer experience fanatics, technologists, mm -hmm. and logistics nerds, which I absolutely love. <laughs> Is it that unique blend that makes you so unique? You know, how does that translate into the service that the customer gets? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, all three of these elements, customer experience, tech, logistics, they have to come together to provide a modern international shipping service for modern brands. Yeah. You know, what good is logistics if you can't integrate into the systems that the warehouse of the brand or the brand's 3PL uses or the shopping cart of the merchant? Uh, so what, true. Right? What, what good is the tech if you can't do the logistics? And lastly, what good are any of these things if you can't actually provide customers with a great experience? So all three things, they really need to coalesce, come together to provide a consistent, uh, uh, consistently good experience, I would say. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I mean, with the emergence of e-commerce and more and more people buying online, customer experience really is at the essence of your business these days. And logistics and supply chain is the core of that, really. I mean, you've got marketing and you've got sales and things like that that also provide a lot of value to that end customer experience. But it's really that logistics that's going to drive, you know, the delivery to the consumer and really hone in on that customer experience to retain that customer. Yeah, it, it, exactly. You know, one of our investors actually called us a customer experience company masquerading as a logistics company. I love it. That's another tagline. Wow, there they're coming out of everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that you're going to use that in uh, some upcoming marketing. <laughs> Definitely. Awesome. So I, you know, I said at the top of the show that I've been talking more and more about the benefits of international shipping. You know, again, talking about how more and more people really are buying online and they're buying from all sorts of different places. They're not necessarily just keeping it domestic. Um, and you've got overseas buying from a lot of North American companies right now. Um, so right now with the pandemic, when many businesses have losses they're trying to recoup, or perhaps they're trying to strengthen their offering by opening it up globally, because that represents all sorts of new opportunities. What are the benefits? Why should businesses be throwing themselves into international shipping like right now? You know, the reality is, that brands are international from day one, whether yeah. or not they intend to be. Mm -hmm. They're marketing on platforms with international reach, you yes. know, through Google, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. Uh, they're working with influencers who have international audience. I think Kim Kardashian probably has more fans outside of the U.S. than in the U.S. Right. Um, and they have websites that are accessible to everyone via a simple search. So, you know, you put in comfortable socks, you're going to get Bombas, whether or not you're in Canada or U.S. Um, and international customers, you know, just to sort of like uh, add to the benefits of international here, just just a reality uh, of, the, of the market is international customers have a lower customer acquisition cost, oftentimes at fractions of the cost of their U.S. counterparts. Now, hmm. brands can choose to monetize that. They can choose to ignore it. And they still might get a little bit of the revenue or they could do something in the middle um, that's that's right for them at that particular time in their growth trajectory. Um, at Passport, 
we want to not only make sure they're capturing the potential revenue, but they're doing it in a way that doesn't add undue burden to their operations and their customer support team. Um, and I would say putting it into the context of a pandemic, it becomes even more important for a brand to diversify the revenue to global markets. Um, and it's also a good time to do this because customers from around the world can't just easily travel to another country and go on a shopping spree like they used to. Like maybe right. you're, you're the Canadian, Sarah, you're familiar. There's this uh, business, I think it's in Buffalo, where a lot of Canadians would order products to be shipped to Buffalo and then they would drive it over the border. Um, yeah. But that's not practical anymore. No, not with the not with the borders not open right now. It's not. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's interesting that you say and I didn't I never really thought about it that way, but it's mm. so true. I mean, if you open up a website, um, you're you may have a target market in mind, but you might be surprised at people or where people are coming to visit your website from. And if you take a look at the analytics and you take a look at what that actually means for your business, you might be losing out on a huge revenue stream for your customers by ignoring it and focusing on a target market that you thought would be your target market. Mm -hmm. um, I know I've had conversations with many different companies that were surprised to see that they had a big market in Latin America or they had mm. a big market in Korea mm. um, that they never even really, that, that never even crossed their mind. But you're right, you know, all of our social media platforms are reaching people <clears throat> globally. Mm -hmm. And I really like that you brought in that example of, you know, people not really being, not being able to travel to do shopping overseas. Mm -hmm. And I can bring in a personal example of that. You know, I, I go to Florida a couple times a year. I haven't mm -hmm. obviously with the pandemic, but mm -hmm. I, there are certain things in the U S that I can't get here, mm -hmm. um, that I would like to have. And that I do pick up when I go over there or England, mm -hmm. I go to England all the time because my whole mm -hmm. family's there mm -hmm. and there's things in the UK that I would love to be able to get right now, but not being able to, to travel over there is, is quite the constraint. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. I actually read an interesting stat recently, and it was that 80% of purchasing power is outside of the U.S. So mm -hmm. if you're a brand thinking about your addressable market and addressable opportunity, you're really only going after 20% of the market. And 80% of the market is really, it's it's in the um the tech ecosystem, you know, like on, uh, on Facebook and Twitter and, and all these platforms. Yeah. Yeah. And let's talk about those hurdles a little bit because, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of, um, online brands that I have spoken to, um, when it comes to international shipping or opening up to new markets are kind of like, that sounds really complicated. And it mm -hmm. sounds like, you know, something that I really don't have time for right now. So that's one reason, but what do you think, are, what do you think are some of the things that are holding back merchants or entire industries from investing in international? And how does Passport brands get over those hurdles or help their customers get over those hurdles? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the way I think about it is um, I think about it by stakeholder within the e-commerce e merchant. So there are several parts of a brand's organization that may not be prepared for international. And this unpreparedness definitely holds, uh, holds back brands. So for starters, international shipping does take longer than domestic shipments. So even if you do everything right as a brand, you're likely to get more customer support tickets from international customers. 
So being able to scale the support um, as you're expanding internationally is important. Otherwise, you're going to be treating international customers um, in in a way inconsistent with your brand and how you treat domestic customers, which isn't great. Um, secondly, uh, while most of the marketing platforms for U.S. consumers are similar to those for people abroad, uh, like I mentioned, Facebook and Twitter, everybody uses those abroad and you know, TikTok and so forth, Instagram, uh, there are still some idiosyncrasies to be aware of when serving a global audience. Uh, I'll just give one example. Um, for instance, in some markets like in the UAE, uh, the biggest social network is, is actually Twitter. It's not Facebook. Right. So being aware of these things, um, especially if you're going to be investing a lot of money into uh, cost per click um, uh, platforms, it's it's good to know some of these things. Um, mm-hmm. Then there's returns, right, Sarah? Sometimes you yeah. don't want to buy from a particular merchant if you feel like, mm, I'm not going to be able to get my money back if it doesn't fit me or it's the wrong color, there's a mistake there. Um, and for some brands, they have returns as a key part of their business model. You know, right. we we recently were talking to a brand called Cup, uh, and they make bras, and that's part of their business model is that they they expect customers to try on different things and um, and send back the ones that aren't the perfect fit, and they're not upset when that happens. That's actually built into their model and how they operate. So for them, returns are very important. They can't possibly provide the same level of um, of service and experience that they do for their Canadian customers if they don't have a returns product. Right. Um, and, uh, the last one I would say is that for certain verticals, this isn't true for every category, but for certain categories, it's, it's definitely true. Like say nutraceuticals or cosmetics, there are very specific rules and regulations that govern what can and can't be shipped and what documentation is needed for each shipment. So, you know, we'll, we'll do that research. We'll help brands figure that out. Um, because, you know, it's just too much to expect for, uh, you know, uh, a VP of operations at one of these brands to know what it takes to ship every SKU to every country in the world, right? But for yeah. us, because we work with so many brands, um, it, it is pretty reasonable for us to know how this works. It's so true. And my experience with international shipping, because I've, I've had, you know, retail brands in the past, is that it's a lot more economical to send a package without insurance, but then you're also taking a lot of a lot of risk, or not not insurance, but without a tracking mm-hmm. code. Mm-hmm. Um, and but you're also taking a lot of risk, right? By doing that, mm-hmm. what um, what advice would you give to somebody when they're taking a look at the different international shipping options, mm-hmm. and you know? deciding even uh, tracking code or not tracking code? Mm, mm. Yeah, so um, I think that there is a place for the not tracking code uh, services. Um, Those services are also cheaper. So it's not like we're saying uh, both shipment services are $10 each. Which one do you prefer? The one that has tracking and the one that doesn't? Obviously, yeah. you would choose the one that does. You're talking about a service that costs ten dollars with tracking, and then maybe eight dollars without tracking. And if your cost of goods sold, maybe you're familiar with a company called Wish. You know, yeah. they're they're very um, aggressive with their shipping methods to be very very cheap, even at the expense of service. 
but that is actually consistent with their business model and with the type of products that they sell, which are, you know, $8, $4, $5, right? Right. So um, that's what they're solving for. So I would say that there is a place for, for, uh, for the not tracked service levels, even for yeah. international. Right. So it really just comes down to your business model, which is, which is what I really wanted to kind of get at after what you had just shared with us, because I think that it's really important for brands and for all of us to really understand that it comes down to the business model and that business model is really tied to that customer experience and what you want that customer experience to look like from an international shipping standpoint or even a domestic shipping standpoint, but from a shipping standpoint and how that ties into your customer experience. So with international shipping, um, I mean, you're, you you say that going global is complex and not complicated. I think I've got some brands out there that might <laughs> might potentially disagree with you a little bit and they feel like it's way more complicated and um, something that they are going to be challenged to getting into. But I think that, you know, there's a couple of things that you do at Passport Shipping. One of those is your landed cost calculator, which obviously will minimize some of the core issues. And maybe we can talk a little bit more about that right now. But there's also things that are changing, like changes to UK VAT. For anybody in the audience, that's the tax in the UK on international goods that are coming in after January 1st. You know, what are some of the consequences of non-compliance with some of those things if the businesses aren't jumping in without having a thorough understanding or a trusted partner like Passport Shipping? Yeah, this is this is a new risk, I would say, that appeared in 2021 that um, had not appeared before. Um, and with the change in UK, that's January 1st, there's a very similar change happening in the EU uh, July 1st, which... Uh, basically removes the de minimis requiring uh, VAT to be paid into the EU, just like in the UK, on every single product, even if the product is only $1. Um, and it now is the responsibility of the merchant to pay that. So uh, brands could be exposing themselves to un unforeseen losses in a poor customer experience for their international customers if they're not aware of these changes and, and don't act uh, accordingly. Um, you know, you mentioned the UK VAT question. Um, so let's talk about that change here real quick. Um, uh, we talked about on January 1st, uh, uh, the change that, that, that happened already. Um, and it's basically that merchants, uh, the UK government is now mandating that all merchants shipping to UK are now the responsible party for collecting and remitting VAT to the UK government. Wow. Yeah. So irrespective of shipping via a postal service like USPS, which will hand off to Royal Mail, or shipping with a private carrier like a like a passport, um, irrespective of how you ship it, the UK government is working under the assumption that you have a VAT number and that you're going to be paying on a quarterly basis. Um, let's say you weren't aware of this. And let's say you were not collecting VAT in your shopping cart. Unfortunately, you still owe this amount. So yeah. you could be out 20% of every order, which is the uh, which is the VAT rate in the UK. Wow. Mm -hmm. Wow. Mm -hmm. That is a lot. And if it you is. think about, you know, if you think about total landed costs and you think about, you know, your margins, 20% could be a really, really big hit. And I think, you know, we talk about retailers and online brands going, oh, I don't know if I want to get into international shipping. And that's a great example 
as to one of the reasons why they may or may not want to do that, because keeping on top of some of the changes and what's going on in the industry and what that means to their bottom line or what that means to some website changes to be, a, to, to be able to accommodate that um, is a little bit complex. But I think, you know, from what we're talking about today and having passport shipping as a valid partner to your international shipping process is completely ideal to a successful international shipping program that you're going to be having and you're going to be able to, um, you know, service your customers and have that better customer experience for all of your customers, not just domestically, but obviously internationally as well. So with all of that in mind, can you give us a real life example of how you've helped a customer? Like what are, what was the challenge that they had? What were the benefits that they've seen from that? What was the solution that you provided to them? Yeah, sure. Um, so we can we can even stay on the topic of landed cost and uh, making sure that all duties and taxes are collected and paid because, like you mentioned, twenty percent is huge. And and yeah. um, like let's use Canada as an example. Um, the the HST the tax into mm-hmm. Ontario is thirteen percent, but yeah. we're not even talking about duties here yet, right? Duties in theory on some products that are made in China on apparel could be upwards of 18%. So 18 plus uh, 13, you know, you're talking about 31% uh, of, of margin there or money that you should be collecting uh, that if you aren't, either you could be out or your customer when they receive it could be forced to pay. So um, that's, that's definitely a cornerstone of our solution set is to provide a duty and tax calculator for somebody's, online store, you know, be it uh, big commerce or Shopify or Magento or Woo or, you know, some um, uh, custom built site, but that's a big part of it. So one of our our, uh, early customers is this uh, great uh, brand called Bombas. They make uh, probably the best socks in the world. And I was very excited to hear that they're branching out into more products. Uh, But uh, they they started off with socks and and I wear them. I I try to play basketball a lot and they're they're the best. And um, uh, people from around the world recognize that they're the best. And Bombas had been shipping delivered duties unpaid, right? Uh, Meaning it was the responsibility of the recipient in the country to handle the duties and taxes when they were assessed. And um, that created a horrible experience, right? Because, yes, I uh, hate that. Sorry yeah. to interrupt you, but no, as no, somebody who lives in Canada, yeah, and please. when something is sent to me, whether I've bought it or whether somebody's sending me something, and I get stuck with a, a bill for duties and taxes, ugh, it's like nails on a chalkboard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the worst. And it's not just the extra money that you didn't think you had to pay, but you also get hit with a clearance fee in Canada. Yes. I think it's like nine Canadian dollars in UK. It's nine, it's, it's nine British pounds. So we're talking about sometimes the fee is higher than the actual uh, duties and taxes that were originally assessed. So um, you could imagine what was happening. A lot of customers were rejecting the shipments. They were sending angry emails to the customer support team at Bombas and we stepped in and we solved it for them. We we built them a solution for their cart that um, basically helped them collect duties and taxes. We helped them serve um, live. Sh- uh, I'm sorry. We helped them serve flat shipping rates that uh, we worked on with them. So we did some analysis with them on how much they should charge for shipping, 
um, uh, across different markets like Canada, UK, EU, Australia, and rest of the world. Um, and uh, we came up with numbers that, you know, would kind of strike the right balance of not um, uh, exposing them to too much loss and eating too much shipping costs, but would also be uh, be at a point where it's still compelling for customers, you know, and low enough where it's compelling for customers to shop from them abroad. Um, and their international business has definitely boomed since then. Awesome. That is such a great example. And I'm, I love that you shared that with us because it's, it's nice to see, I mean, not obviously not on their part, but the struggles and the challenges that they went through on the international shipping so that anybody in our audience that is in that same position knows that they're not alone, but then also seeing the, um, the benefits of partnering with somebody like Passport Shipping from a variety of different angles to really gain momentum on their international shipping side and increase their customer experience and now look at where they are today. And I think that you, that was a great example to use because a lot of people know that brand, knows uh, what they do and where they are today. So I think that was great. So who is your ideal client for Passport Shipping? You know, and when should they be giving you a call? Like what size am I? How much am I doing maybe in orders? What does that look like? Yeah, so our ideal client is an e-commerce merchant that is most likely a direct-to-consumer brand. Uh, although we do work with some retailers such as Amorver, um, our ideal client cares about the end customer experience and has a product that is unique, which somebody from abroad would be interested in buying. Um, you know, a couple more details here. We don't ship big and bulky things like furniture and pianos. Uh, we don't ship perishable things. Uh, and we don't ship very expensive things like diamond rings. Okay. Um, but everything else is in our strike zone. Um, I would encourage anybody and everybody to reach out to us. And, um, you know, our team would determine whether or not uh, we're a good fit. Um, we work with a lot of 3PLs. So uh, that helps us work with some smaller accounts. So sometimes if we're in a 3PL and they want us to work with an account that does, you know, one shipment a day or one even a week, we'll still work with them because they're in the 3PL. And then um, if it's a self-fulfilling brand, uh, we typically look for uh, volume in the order of magnitude of about um, 10 parcels per day. Got it. Okay. Mm -hmm. And that's that's a, that gives the audience a really good idea of you know how they can work with you and what that looks like. So one more thing that I wanted to talk about before we wind this down and talk about what the future holds for Passport mm -hmm. is the USMCA. Mm -hmm. um, I know we've been talking a lot about you know parcels going back and forth from the US to Canada, vice versa. We've been talking about international shipping overseas. Um, but I think the USMCA, and we've, we've also talked about the changes in the UK VAT, but the USMCA has implemented some, some big changes that I think that small to medium-sized enterprises really need to know about um, as we're doing and having this discussion. And so, you know, with the USMCA, it really shows that governments obviously agree that international shipping is a key part of the future of business, right? Mm -hmm. It was officially implemented in July, which could be a real lifesaver life for a lot. But a recent DHL survey said that many SMEs in the U.S. are unaware of the benefits they could see from it. So can you talk us through some of that? How can businesses maximize the benefit from the new legislation? Yeah, um, so there's some nuance here. 
the USMCA raised their tax de minimis. Uh, Sarah, right? We talked about Ontario's at 13%. So that's that's that number. Um, and they raised the tax de minimis to 40 Canadian dollars. Uh, and before the call here, I uh, or before the podcast, I, I I looked up the rate and it's about 31 and a half US dollars for, for right. those listeners in the US. Um, okay. And the duty de minimis uh, was raised to 150 Canadian dollars, which is much higher and a lot more of e-commerce is going to fall underneath the duty de minimis. So if you sell goods under 40 Canadian dollars, <clears throat> which is that 31 US dollars, this free trade agreement is a game changer for you. I can't stress the, that enough. You have a serious competitive advantage over a Canadian business. I hate to say it, but you do because they need to pay the taxes. And you as an American merchant who's shipping cross-border, you do not need to pay those taxes. And those taxes are big. You know, we're talking yeah. 13% into uh, into Ontario. And I can't remember which province, but it was like, I think, 15% into Quebec or something like that. Uh, but it's we're talking about big numbers here. Um, and this is off the retail cost, right? So, uh, so pretty big numbers. And then it's it's kind of somewhere in the middle of value if your products are somewhere between forty Canadian and one hundred and fifty. And for that, if your order, if your items are made outside of the, um, uh, you know, Canada, uh, U.S. or Mexico, if your stuff is made, say, in China or um, or Taiwan. Um, that duty savings could be massive for you as well. So, you know, to use the Bombas example, um, uh, socks uh, have a 16% duty rate for those that are made in China. So you can save that if your items are under 150 Canadian dollars, which is about 110 uh, US. So um, it really moves the needle for a lot of brands. Yeah, absolutely. And just for also um, the other side of the coin is that the de minimis into the U.S. is actually what, something like $800. It is, so yeah. So if you're selling, if you're a Canadian company selling into the U.S. Um, and your your products are less than $800, you're, you're able to uh, benefit from the USMCA and those de minimis as well, just so everybody knows also. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, I appreciate that because like you said, it's a game changer and not everybody knows about it. I mean, we're neighbors, right? The U.S. and Canada. And, you know, it's considered international shipping. And sometimes even that is scary for a lot of brands as well. But knowing what your options are and that you do get some of the breaks under some of these free trade agreements and you don't need to know them all. You just need to partner with the right people. So what does the future hold for passport shipping and what do you think about logistics overall as we get right into 2021? So for passport, we're going to continuously work on removing the friction from going global. That's, that's kind of our mantra. Um, and as, as we can see with the new free trade agreements and um, the global tax changes like, like what's happening in the UK and EU, um, things around the world are getting more and more complicated. So it's even more critical now than ever to have a solution in a partner like Passport in place uh, that's going to help you manage all this change and stay in compliance with local rules and regulations. So being able to help you... Um, uh, get that revenue without also getting that headache alongside it. 
Awesome. Awesome. Well, I can't wait to see what more you're doing at Passport and how you're helping brands really go global because that is the future of the industry. Um, and it's the future of retail, really. And I think that international shipping is going to be a growing trend for 2021. But I really love talking about it from such a personal, customer-centric and collaborative angle. Everybody knows that my mantra is collaboration is the future of business. So a big thank you to you, Alex, for joining us today on Let's Talk Supply Chain. Thank you, Sarah. This episode was produced in collaboration with Border Buddy, the most innovative online customs platform out there. And here is what Graham, the founder of Border Buddy, has to say. More and more companies are looking to expand their reach into global markets, but most don't know where to start or don't have the time to figure it out. Border Buddy sees the struggle and has found a way for you to integrate customs into your e-commerce site, allowing you peace of mind when selling to customers in other countries. Your customers will know exactly how much the costs are to import their order from you to their door in real time. And just imagine what that will do for your business and your sales. Visit us and sign up for 10% off your first clearance at borderbuddy.com slash let's talk supply chain. And remember to come back next week where we are highlighting another amazing woman in supply chain brought to you by Fastenal. So make sure to go and check that out. That's coming up next Monday. If you enjoy our podcast, there's a few ways to support the show. You can follow us, follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. You can also sign up for our newsletter over at letstalksupplychain.com and subscribe to our YouTube channel, Let's Talk Supply Chain. Next, go and visit SHIPS, that's S-H-I-P-Z dot com. We are in full beta, and if you are a forwarder or a shipper that wants to streamline the pricing of your air freight and ocean freight shipments, gain access to more choice worldwide and utilize the best of data to reduce shipping risks, then you won't want to miss out on our platform. So go to ships.com. You can also find some really cool merch and purchase our exclusive supply chain dictionary in our shop at letstalksupplychain.com forward slash shop. And remember to rate and review us over on Apple Podcasts and I will feature you on an upcoming episode great week everyone thanks for listening and remember ship happens